Hello everybody, how you doing? Hope all is well. This is Prayer Rizopoulos. Welcome back to another episode of Shot of Philosophy. Today we're going to stick with our spring cleaning for the soul energy, our spring cleaning for the soul strategy, and we're going to talk about another spiritual pathology. Today it's going to be impatience. So I've been feeling impatient recently. The first quote I'll share with you is one that I have ready at hand, one that I've been using for years. I love it. It's from the Enchiridion which is a piece by Epictetus. You can find it online for free. Just Google it. I suggest that. It's a great piece. And before we get to that, I was thinking about like just trying to break down what, what makes impatience so difficult and the different elements of impatience. And then I ended up getting into a conversation. I think I mentioned this, but I usually before I talk, like I'll read a little bit, I'll think a little bit, and then I'll take an index card and try to prepare just a little bit of, a, of an organized thing here when I offer this to other people to hopefully make it a little more helpful, a little more clear, obviously, than my own thoughts and my own reading. So I wanted to break it down a little bit. So on my index card, I have sort of an Aristotle thing here going on. I have impatience or the absolutely impatient person on one extreme. In the middle, we have patience, which is the virtue, right, which is balanced. And then I tried to define the absolute opposite or the other extreme side of impatience and it's not patience, obviously, right? Because that's in the middle. So I would sort of say that on the other end of this spectrum is uh, like the absolute procrastinator. So we'll have another episode on procrastination. That's another common ailment. And I would say the impatient person, if they are thinking, feeling, and acting in an impatient way, there's a sense that they're so frantic and there's a sense that they're so frenzied in the way they relate to themselves and the way they relate to the world that to me, that's the opposite of the procrastinator who almost doesn't even get themselves into taking action, right? Who doesn't even place any demands on themselves or any pressure on themselves or the external world to change and be different. So I'm not sure if I love that, but I think it'll work for this episode. Hopefully it'll be helpful, but that's how I'm seeing this, right? And at the heart of impatience to me are a few other things we can talk about and think about that might be helpful. I think the impatient person has too much desire, they have too much fear, they misguide or let's say misdirect their gaze. I'll talk about that in a second. And they definitely put too much pressure on themselves and the external world, right? So for me, the desire and fear, that kind of goes hand in hand, right? The impatient person wants too much. I think it's really typical of impatient people. They want the future to be a certain way. They want today to be a certain way that it is not. And there's fear around that entirely. There's fear of not getting what you want. There's fear of not being who you think you should be. There's fear of things not happening at the right time, which is just a different way of saying those first two things. Right? The impatient person wants the thing yesterday. The impatient person is not able to rest and live in the moment and live in the day. And that goes right to the idea that they misdirect their gaze. Fear, desire, and the future all connect. And when we think too much about the future, I think it's almost impossible to not become impatient. Even if it's good, hope can be very dangerous. Hope can be really helpful. This goes right back to Aristotle, but it has to be balanced. It can't be excessive. Excessive hope creates expectations. Those expectations create fear. What you hope for, if you hope for it in the wrong way, right? So it's not the what. Hope, cool. How is important here. If you hope in the wrong way, you will be a very impatient 
and then we're getting into a zone where you're also going to become a very anxious person. So we have to be careful with what we want, how we want it. We have to be careful with how that might cause some fear. And we have to work on living in the day if we want to be more patient. And all of this, I think, sort of works nicely with the idea that impatient people pressure themselves by thinking too much about the future, by wanting today what they only might have tomorrow, and then placing all this desire and fear into their ways of thinking and feeling and acting. Impatient people pressure themselves constantly to have what they don't. There's a desire, there's a fear, and there's a misdirection of the gaze there. So the patient person, who's the virtuous person, I think, lives in the moment more, lives in the day more. The patient person also, and this connects to another virtue nicely, impatient people, I think, a lot of times are not as confident as they pretend to be. Right? Because the confident person, I think, or we talk about confidence and fear needing each other, right, has a better relationship to fear than the impatient person. And we have to keep in mind the Aristotle idea, right? Or Aristotle's idea. Patience and confidence are virtues. They both live in the same place in the middle. The impatient person is not confident. They're frantic. The impatient person is too fearful. They're afraid of what might not happen. Or they're afraid of what might happen. Because those are kind of the same thing anyway, right? You not getting, you being impatient to get promoted and not getting it is you, one, is you suffering twice because you wanted, you wanted, you wanted instead of, as we'll see with Epictetus, taking advantage of what was in front of you. You kept directing your gaze towards this future thing and then you didn't get it, which is something not happening, but then also something happening because then it's like you have to keep living, right? You have to, you have to keep moving through life, right? So there is no nothing. You not getting the raise is also you maintaining your current position which might have certain benefits. So we have to think about what drives us to impatience, what drives us to cultivate more patience. Again, it's normal to have your gaze directed at the future. It's normal to have some pressure. It's normal to have some desires, some fears, right? There are some philosophies that say get rid of desire entirely. I am not necessarily recommending that. I think that having aims and goals can be very healthy, but it's not the what, it's the how. Well, it is the what, right? Make sure your what is good. Make sure your what is good and just, right? And temperate. Stick to those stoic virtues. It's courageous. It's helpful to others, right? But what we're talking today mostly about is the how. The future is going to come no matter what, right? The time moves, period. Doesn't care. How we relate to what we see as possible for us. That's what we're talking about today. And what we should strive for is patience. Okay, we wanna decrease our desires. We wanna decrease the intensity of our desires. How do we do that? Well, we could start practically by winnowing our thoughts. Back to Marcus's idea. When you see yourself getting desirous and nervous about the future, becoming impatient, that, again, that sort of like, impatience might even be, we could say anxiety plus an even greater sense of, of like frenziedness, right? When you see yourself getting into those types of thinking, when you see yourself waiting and then feeling negatively in that process, we have to winnow the thoughts. 
So on that note, let me get into Epictetus's quote. I think he'll help us understand how we can win over our thoughts. So he's starting off here, this is the Enchiridion number 15, with a metaphor. I love this. Remember that we must behave in life as at a dinner party. I guess that's a simile, right? Because it's a comparison with like or as. Anyway, it works. It's a good comparison, right? So for me, I imagine you're going out to eat with friends. You've been waiting all week for this meal. You're looking forward to it. You need all day. You want this entree. You get there. There's a line at the door. Okay. Didn't expect that. Then when you sit down, you're even hungrier and your friends are like, oh, let's get appetizers. You don't want appetizers. Let's get drinks. Okay. You're getting a little bit aggravated. Now, we work to talk with ourselves in that moment to not yell at our friends because that would be odd, right? We definitely don't yell at the waiter when they bring the appetizer. Also not the move. We don't get up and run into the kitchen and start yelling at people to get the food out quick. We don't, when we think we smell our food and a waiter is walking by, we don't get up and try to grab the food even if it's not our own. We don't do these things. These are things that are inappropriate, right? And yet we do it with life constantly. And that's why I think he's drawing this comparison. Right, so to behave in life as if we're going out to dinner with friends and we have elements of that that are out of our control is to learn how to cultivate patience and the virtues that, let's say, um, comprise patience. So the virtues behind the virtue. And he, he does this really nicely here. He asks, is anything brought around to you? So maybe we're in like an appetizers or a family style scenario. Put your hand out and take your share with moderation. Right there, that's a great piece of advice. So let's, let's get back to my analogy a little bit. You're waiting for the entree, the appetizers floating around the table. So you want that promotion, right? Or you want to graduate, or you want to find a healthy relationship with a significant other. These are the entrees, right? Freshman year of college is maybe not the entree, right? It's not the thing you want necessarily, not the thing that's gonna, in your mind at least, give you the most let's say nourishment, right? Or the, let's use that word. I like the idea of the food analogy here, right? But you have four years. Why would you miss what's in front of you? And think about it with food, right? If you're really starving for that entree and you eat nothing for the next 45 minutes as you're eating the as everyone else is eating the appetizer, right? You're going to be so hungry that the second that food hits the table, you're going to devour it. You're not really going to enjoy it. And of course, also, if you eat too much of the appetizer, you'll be too full to really enjoy the entree. So we have to aim at taking in moderation. We have to aim at, once again, balance, not ignoring what's in front of us that might nourish us, that might give us life, that might call for our attention and call for our service. This is like you go out and you're starving and you don't talk to anybody because you're hangry. Instead of controlling it and realizing that you could have a little bit of the appetizer, talk with someone, get some different type of nourishment, but nourishment nonetheless, talking with people. Right? You can go through life too focused on this future thing and really miss what's in front of you. Epictetus is saying, don't do that. Take it. Don't take too much of it. Right, It's okay to, and we'll get to the second quote in a minute, it's okay to have an eye on the future, but we can't miss what's in front of us that might nourish us. Again, moderation is key there. Then he asks another question. This is once again to his students. Does it pass by you? Do you miss the opportunity? Don't stop it. This is very stoic, right? This is, you know, for people who say everything happens for a reason as a way to kind of console themselves when things go wrong. I think there is some validity to that. I would say we can work to learn from things which will create a reason, right? So this happened so I could, I could learn this. 
this didn't work out. Here's what I learned. All right. So that learning, that growth, that's a great reason. I've made my own reason. But I'm not going to sit here for the rest of my life grieving over this. I want to give it its time. Grief is important, but I'm going to move on. I'm not going to try to stop this thing from happening. I'm going to be okay. It's passed by me. Right? And then he asks another student, right? Or to his students, he asks another question. Is it not yet come? Has, you know, has it not happened yet? Don't stretch your desire towards it, but wait till it reaches you. Once again, we see impatient people, very desirous. They're constantly stretching their desire. This is for those of us who think too much about the future. Take a moment, right? This is a great exercise for this uh, episode. What percentage of your time do you think about the past? What percentage of your time do you think about the present? And what percentage of your time do you think about the future? You might be making yourself more impatient simply because you're thinking about the future 80% of the time. Sit with that exercise and characterize the thoughts. Well, is your past making you happy, joyful? The thoughts of your past? Is the future making you happy and joyful? Is it helping you grow and develop or is it just damaging your well-being? What are the most common thoughts you have of the future? How do we change that? Once again, self-writing. And so I made a great suggestion and thank you for this. Whenever I mention self-writing, I'm going to try to think of an actual practical exercise to suggest. So I'm not just using that word and like throwing it out there, right? Sit down today. Let's use Simone Vale, of course, right? For 15 minutes. Do that exercise. That's self-writing. Write the percentages. Write a few sentences about each to characterize the thoughts, to characterize the emotions that come with that. How do these thoughts maybe impact your actions on a regular basis? That's a great 15-minute self-writing exercise that starts off with some numbers and I think really gets into a conversation with ourselves that could be really meaningful. Because you might just be looking too much at the future and that's why you're impatient. You might not be taking enough time to learn from the past and enjoy memories of the past and be comforted by your memories. And you definitely might be not taking enough time to take advantage of today to direct your attention and your energy to the tasks, to the ideas, to the people that are in your life right now. So take that and run with it. And I think you might become less impatient, which is to say more patient as a result. And then Epictetus, I love this, gets into some real practical stuff. Do this. So this meaning take in moderation what's in front of you, right? <clears throat> Allow what passes you to go by. Again, it's out of your control, learning how to deal with that. Impatient people also really think they can control more than they actually can. That's at the very basis of this is the idea that when you're really impatient, you're trying to influence a future that's not even here yet. Right? There's something inherently, let's say, um, inherently anti-stoic about being impatient. Right? We're working with desire too. Do this with regard to children, to a significant other or a spouse, to public posts or jobs, to riches, and you will eventually be worthy or be a worthy partner of the feast of the gods. Right? And... If you don't even take the things which are set before you, but are able to even reject them, then you will not only be a partner at the Feast of the Gods, but also of their empire. So it's almost like as humans, we naturally do this stuff, but we can get better at it. We don't have to torture ourselves, right? We naturally desire things. We, we want what we don't have. That might be natural, right? We might naturally take things excessively, or let's even not say naturally, because that's a tough word to use, but we might as individuals even just 
look at our lives and say, oh, I have a tendency to do this. I have a predisposition for this, right? But we don't want to just give up on that, right? We want to be able to maybe say, all right, I can alter these things. And to do that is to practice philosophy, which we could argue, I think, from these philosophers' perspectives, right? There's something divine in that because we're pursuing virtue. And I love how practical he makes this. We stress out all the time. We're impatient about, like I said, getting that promotion. We're impatient about finding our significant other. And then we just keep packing more impatience into life. We move from one thing to the next, never learning how to be patient, which again, for me, really sort of means to live in the moment. If we learn to live in the moment more, direct our attention more to the moment, we will naturally become more patient. Because again, patience to me isn't just that sort of superficial understanding of you're good at waiting for things. There's a lot to unpack there that's philosophically profound. Good at waiting might also just mean you're good at living in the moment. You don't even have to wait. If you get good at living in the moment and really focusing on this person, this idea, this task, you're naturally more patient. There's a space before we even get to the idea of waiting, right? And I'll use a very simple example. You're looking, you're, you're waiting for that email to get back to you, right? That person get back to you via email. You could sit there and refresh the page all day. That's the impatient person. That's actually a good modern metric for impatience, right? If you're, quote, waiting for news, how often do you click refresh? Or do you say, all right, I'll get it when I get it. And do you just focus on something else? Do you focus on what else that day to use Epictetus, right? The appetizer. Today might feel like an appetizer, but you could turn it into an entree. If you learn how to focus your energy, winnow your thoughts and your attention, right? So before we even get into conversations about the patient person can wait, the patient person also lives in the moment and they don't dis direct their desire to the future, right? Future, I'm sorry, desire is always a future thing because if you desire the moment, that's just gratitude. So maybe we could even say the patient person is more grateful. We can cultivate that. So I want to share one other quick quote because I want to keep these around. Oh, it's already, whatever. I want to keep this under 20 minutes now. But this quote, the second one is simple but powerful, right? And this is not from Epictetus. This is from Seneca, another Stoic, right? It tells us, you will suffer soon enough. Very Stoic. And it's also, I think, very Buddhist, right? Suffering is a part of life. It's what it is. Life is suffering, right? A lot of philosophies support that. Cool. It's going to happen. We know that. Make peace with that. Maybe you have a practice, right? Again, maybe it's the premeditation um, that we talked about with Marcus Aurelius. But I also think there's something powerful in just acknowledging that life involves suffering. You normalize it. First part. Next one. When it arrives, it, again, is a suffering. So look forward, meanwhile, to better things. Impatience is a vice. As I said, I think impatience also couples with fear. If you're especially overly impatient, that's the case, I think, right? So looking forward to better things means you start using your imagination positively. Right? The patient person looks forward to the future, focused on better things, understanding that suffering is a natural part of life. They're able to live in the day, live in the moment more focus their attention in the now. And I think they use this idea from Seneca really nicely. They know how to look forward. The impatient person looks forward and has negative feelings around that because it hasn't happened yet. 
the patient person looks forward and that's where I think the confidence comes in because it takes confidence to look forward to better things because you can easily imagine worse things. Hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.